Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. On this episode, you'll be hearing from Brianna Hill. She is a former colleague of mine uh, back in New York, and she is an artist. And we're going to talk about how she became an artist, what got her into art education, her time in Pratt Institute, and how her opening her own and founding her own art foundation helped her go abroad to uh, Jamaica and Ghana. And that's basically the meat of this episode. I really enjoyed it. And just a disclaimer, uh, there were some unforeseen audio issues <laughs> that I did not anticipate happening at all. Uh, but it was totally my fault. I checked the recording after. I think I figured out what the recording was. But of course, the episode was already over. <laughs> but I tried to erase most of them. Um, hopefully, it does not take away from the awesome episode. Brianna really dropped a lot of uh, nuggets of wisdom and, and talked about her, her awesome experience abroad. And I just apologize for that in advance. Uh, that hopefully won't happen again. But yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. This is In Living Color, Abroad. Uh, welcome, Brianna Hill, to In Living Color, Abroad. Uh, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Grateful. So, Brianna, if you don't mind, can you tell uh, my listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am a, um, first, I'm a figurative painter. Um, I've been practicing this figurative of paint or this subject matter for about, let's say, about nine years, eight years. Um, so I'm an artist first and after I am an art educator, international art educator. And for those that don't know, uh, I previewed this in my last episode. I will have a special guest. And the reason I said special guest is because Brianna and I were colleagues uh, for two years at a school in Brooklyn called Excellence Boys. And we worked there together. She was an art teacher extraordinaire. And I was a music teacher extraordinaire. No, I'm just okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Brianna, so tell us, just start with that. So, what got you into art? How did that happen? Um, art has been my passion since I could remember. Um, I would definitely say my earliest, my earliest um, thought or even feeling, passionate feeling that I had for art, I would say about like maybe four or five years old. From then, my dad met my mom, my stepdad, and he was an artist. Um, they all basically were that big influence. He bought, you know, my first art supplies, uh, trained me a little bit, you know, and then I had a great art teacher in middle school who got me into art, uh, high, art high school, excuse me. Um, and then from art high school, bachelor's in art, and then master's in art education. So it kind of was set up for me, um, you know, and it's just about that dream, that dream that you have from your youth and literally living in that dream and allowing that dream to manifest. Got it. You know? And and where yeah. did you start this whole like, just like you Life you delving that. seriously into into being an artist? Oh, seriously, what I would say when I was in middle school, like developing my portfolios to audition to different schools in the city, mm. different art schools in the city. Got you. Okay. So then middle school, you say you went to a high school for art. And then you went to Pratt, correct? Mm -hmm. mm, 
I, from high school, I went to a state university and then I got my bachelor's from the state university and then went to grad school at Pratt. So what is the demographic? Are it like a lot of people of color or not really? Well, not really. When I uh, applied and attended there for grad school, it was only about, from my research, we have like 3 to 3.5% of African-Americans in that school. Um, then, you know, a little bit higher than that for um, Asians, but the majority uh, were Caucasians, about 70 to 80% of Caucasians attend uh, Pratt Institute from undergrad and grad. Mm. Um, so you, a woman that looks like, or a woman or a man that looks like me, like, it's just, it's like, like we would say a couple of pieces of um, pepper inside of a bowl of salt. We <laughs> 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 look very out of place. But yeah, it was good. It's like, but you won't really feel it too bad because everybody is like an artist and creator is you. So mm -hmm. that's something that you have in common with everybody else. Everyone is thinking the same. Everyone possibly sees the environment the same, different colors, patterns. So it was more of a connectivity between our identity as artists versus our race more so. Got it. So did that shape you in any way, like going to Pratt as far as like your artistry and also being a person of color? Like how did that like form your artistry in any way? I think by that time, I was already set in my artistry by the time of grad school. Grad school is more so me, um, I guess, being with other creatives as I, I wasn't with other creatives in high school but that was a wow like four years of school after that for my bachelor's I like separated myself from being in an environment of artists so it was more so that feeling and again that connectivity but also I would say I wasn't really there to like think about my artistry I was there to more so think about like the education aspect of it because grad school is like the education that's a you know more so a science degree Gotcha. So it's more about art, philosophy, art, education, history, um, education in general. Yeah. Um, and you know, so yeah. very different from regular fine art programs. Got you, got you. So now you know. So you're an artist. You know, go, get, took it seriously in middle school, high school for it. Then went to state university. Then Pratt. So at what point throughout this entire venture did you realize? You know what? I want to have my own foundation. Oh, I realized I wanted to have my own foundation um, definitely after I received my, my um, master's degree because my last year of grad school, um, you know, you have to put together your thesis or you're developing your thesis basically throughout the whole program. But at the end, it's like that's when you create your, your field or your inquiry, whatever type of theory you want to research as an art educator, you put that into a research. And, you know, I did an international comparative analysis. Um, gotcha. So then I was like, well, the research, what am I going to do with all this research? Like just publish a 72 page thesis, get my degree and just say, I have a degree. No, the purpose yeah. of people, you know, getting education is to make a difference. Period. That's how yeah, it's better. Yeah, yeah. So. That's real. That's very real. And so, your first venture was in Jamaica, correct? Yeah. So the same school that I conducted research for, for my thesis, is the same school that invited me back. Because I was like, I want to lose money and bring back and teach them another lesson. And that's what I did. So it was in San Bay, Jamaica. And, and how, how was that? How long was that experience and when was it? Um, that was in, oh boy, that was in 2017, I believe. 
Yeah, what was the other thing? I forgot. Uh, there's some, like, some organized, like, strikes. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember, but I think it's definitely that thing. How long were you there for? Five or six days, approximately. Okay, okay, so about a week. So, t- take me through that experience. Like, that was mm-hmm. that, that, that was your first, you know, you did research on it, and then, you know, they invited you back. So, like, teaching. And where in Jamaica you said this was again? St. Anne's Bay, Jamaica. And wh- in Windsor section. It's like, it's in the St. Anne's Parish. I don't, I don't know uh, Jamaica's like geography. Like where it was north, south, west. Where is that at? I would say northeast region. It's like I would say near. It's like in between Montego Bay and Ocho Rios. Ocho Rios. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And so tell me about that experience. Like your first day going. Like with nerves. Like what was that like? Um. It was. I mean, I've already met them because I've met them for the actual research for yeah. my thesis. So to go there and be able to move on my own curriculum, on my own fundraising, on my own lesson planning, you know what I mean? And for me knowing them, knowing some of the students already, it was it was it was exciting. I would definitely say it was exciting. It was it was calming. It didn't feel like that same anxiety that I get when teaching in the school, you know what I mean? Or it just felt so natural. Um, mm. It's just a way for me to, you know, teach my intellect and teach my practices and not feel like, you know, I'm under any type of unnecessary stress, you know? How you compare the students there in Jamaica, like in those six days you taught them, five, six days, compared to, like, your work back in the States? I would say it's a lot more calm. It's a lot more um, rewarding because they appreciate it so much. And it's a, it's a part, like, even, like, I'm sorry, I'm jumping from the first experience to my most recent one in mm-hmm, Ghana. Mm-hmm. The adults want to learn this curriculum. They, they they look at, like, the New York State blueprint for the arts, like, a, like one of the teachers wanted it as if it was a New Testament of a Bible or something <laughs> like that. So it's like they want to learn it, they want to train, and they want to, like, incorporate it, but it's, again, it's the funding Mm-hmm. One of the teachers, uh, Mr. Richard, Richmond, Richmond or, oh, Mr. Douglas. Yeah, Mr. Douglas, he, he was like, I, I want to teach this. But the government, you know, they don't really care for things like this. They're not going to give us some money to hire an art educator. It's it's like play for them. Like mm-hmm. art is like fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So that's Mm-hmm. So the view, so the views of uh, like, so like you mentioned the government like funding, right? So would you say the views of like the United States, like their views of like art education or like any arts education, would you say that's similar to the views of like uh, Jamaica and Ghana, like their view, how they view education, like those people that that are in charge of like the funding? Would you say is very similar? Oh, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much similar in the sense of it being like something political or government-based, Got it. but I would definitely say that um, the, like, in overseas, they value it a lot more because they understand that the original way of documenting things or expressing different cultures or history is through the arts. So in Jamaica in particular, they say we understand that ancestrally, so therefore, this is a part of our culture. You know, whether we have, um, you know, a curriculum about how to use certain color theory lessons or principles and elements of art, they're not worried about that. They're worried about it more for preservation of culture. 
but they value it way higher. It's just that they just don't have like linoleum for printmaking or acrylic paint for portraiture painting. They don't have that. They have it, but it's it's for professionals, like adults, mm. not necessarily for art. Yeah. Got it, got it. Got it, got it. And so you mentioned, you know, the difference between the, the students as far as like the appreciation for the arts or whatnot. How would you describe you being a black woman, a black educator, working with a predominantly black uh, student demographic? Like, do you notice any differences, any similarities? Because obviously where we worked was also predominantly black. Do you notice any differences in like, in like how you felt, like you personally? In that dynamic or no? Of course, I felt a huge difference. You know, it's been, it's been that you see an African-American to go over and do something in Jamaica or Ghana and we're quote-unquote American by paper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you don't really see that. Um, it's Especially when you go to Africa, like all the philanthropists, most of them are white, and they go over there and they just give a whole bunch of pounds of rice and pray and you know maybe have some water sources or something but mm-hmm. educational wise they don't see like i don't i mean from what i've not seen yeah you know there's not a lot of educational um people like me i was just gonna get to that how do you think you were viewed like being the fact that you were like this brand new face that they don't really see like oh who's this black woman that's coming to teach us like you know we don't see that people besides their own teachers right there they're living there here's an american but that's black coming to teach like were there any questions that you received like were they like kind of surprised like how do you feel like you were receiving their reaction to that um they were they were asking like where am i from some of them think either i'm from there or i have family from like direct <laughs> family from there a lot of them are very appreciative like the i think the older children in a, and like younger adolescents they were extremely grateful like they were like fascinated just by like like they were like like touching my hair, like my hair was um braided like long braids, and they were like braiding those braids and just Aww. like just, <laughs> that's cute, just admiring me. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And then the same thing in, in in Ghana, like they were just like fascinated with me and my team. They were just like looking and like, oh, this is great. Like, where are you from? Making fun of our accents and, and just getting the opportunity to bond. I don't know. I don't think they think people on this side of the world like look so much like them. Mm. Such a disconnect, you know? Mm. Yeah, word, word, word. That's that's, yeah. that's true. That's true. So let's go now to your most recent ride to Ghana, which you you just finished doing, right? What is the process like when you have to like you know you have to fundraise, you have to get resources, like you're basically pulling out of your own pocket, I'm sure. And what is the stress like yeah. when you're doing something like that, when you're trying to do something that you know is for, like, not just the betterment of, like, your brand, but the, at the end of the day, the betterment of these kids, right? And, like, their art education. Like, take me to that whole process. It's extremely stressful at times, but it's also a reminder to constantly remain steadfast. Fundraising, it's not easy. Fundraising is the most challenging thing, a part of being a business owner or being a artist philanthropist is ridiculous because it's like it's literally you're just trying to juggle juggle multiple projects at once it it can be frustrating to go and send out another gofundme email or send out Mm. another text message reminder to get people to donate um even you know you should also which i highly uh, advise making call lists and and calling hundreds of people a day to introduce them to the foundation and see if they're interested in donating um, 
and even as an incorporation, my 501c3 is not completed just yet, but a lot of these the other huge incorporations, they want to donate, but they want to donate to not-for-profits for their tax, mm-hmm. you know, um, acknowledgement. So if your 501c3 is not completed, or even if it's pending, even if you have a fiscal agent, it's 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 hard to get people to donate if you're not a 501c3. So honestly, like, to be very, very, like, transparent with my process, literally GoFundMe and just people, and I had a, you know, a solo exhibition where it was a fundraising exhibition. And proceeds of that exhibition and those art sales went to the foundation. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and my own money. So, all right. So back to Ghana. So now, and I, it's funny because I just interviewed someone that was uh, working in Cameroon. And I asked him the same question I'm going to ask you. So you being an, an African-American, you know, a woman, you know, born and raised in the States, but obviously have a connection at me, you know, knowing you for the two years, feeling a connection back to the motherland, back to Africa. How did it be, how did it feel for you to step in into Ghana, into West Africa, and to just, you know, be there. And like, you know, and obviously, you know, you have a lot of work to do while you're there. But also kind of like be present and kind of give yourself a moment to kind of like take it all in. Like, how did that feel? Um, it always feels like home. It always feels very familiar. Um, I may not have been born there. My parents or my grandparents or my great-grandparents might have not been born there. Mm-hmm. But um, DNA is extremely... Um, powerful um so it always feels some sort of like a familiar feeling um just by just it could be something simple as phenotypes looking Mm -hmm. in another person's eyes and literally see the same phenotypes that i have or my grandmother or my great-grandmother has um just the style the style and (laughs) foods the different seasonings and spices um the different dances the body shapes like the hair tech, it's all like it's all a very familiar feeling so it always feels like home even from the smell of it the smell of jamaica has a similar smell of ghana it's mm. like a very tropical humid, fresh feeling you know so mm. yes. i just love it i love every time i go to those places honestly and, and how would you compare and contrast those two places now obviously one's in the caribbean one's in across the ocean in africa so how would you compare those two Space. Ghana is extremely, Ghana is like 30 different Jamaicas in one. (laughs) (laughs) It is so spaced out and just so like, it's so spaced out and it's so much more. Like the Mm. ground is, is, the the soil is more richer, the culture is more, it's like the the energy is thicker. Um, Jamaica is so relaxed, so, you know, you know, laid back, you know, same vibes. But Ghana is like that like times 10 so it's way more busier oh cities are crazy it's everything like your sound your sense of touch vision it's just there's so much going on in ghana especially in um in accra but yeah you see i find that so interesting because when i went to spain uh, a few years ago now i felt like a complete foreigner obviously i was a foreigner but i thought i would have more in common due to the you know having the same language but I found that it was difficult to communicate with Spaniards because the Spanish dialect is different than the Dominican dialect. And there were a lot of difficulties there. And I also felt this uh, holier-than-thou attitude uh, when they heard me speak you know, Spanish. And I even was corrected once. So I just found that interesting that me having Spanish descendancy and me going to Spain, I didn't really feel that connection that I thought I would feel. However, whenever I'm in Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic... 
And even here in Costa Rica, I definitely feel way more connected to my culture. And obviously, I think that has to do with you know being Latin America, but I think that's a credit to obviously the mixing that occurred, right, with the Spanish and the Africans, obviously the slaves being brought over across the oceans to Latin America. So I'm I'm interested in going to um to Africa to see what I would feel knowing that the music that I love so much, you know, like merengue and bachata, it's it has African rhythms. All Dominican music, you know, the main music has African rhythms. So I wonder if I'll feel like some kind of connection, and that's why I'm like intrigued. Not only going because I know it'll be beautiful to see Africa, but that like cultural piece for me is also important. It'll definitely connect you to any song, any bachata mm. song that you, you know of. You're gonna feel that. I was start breaking out the bachata. They're like, "What the hell are you doing?" You're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel it. Um, like same thing. Like even like like you said the the like the similarities of Jamaica and Ghana. Like you're going to, I can hear dancehall in in Afrobeat. Mm. Like it's so mm. crazy. It's yeah. just different language and a different like tone, but it's dancehall and Afrobeat is ridiculously the same. Yeah. But yeah. But, you want to see? Yeah. I, oh, have you ever been to Colombia? I'm sorry. To actually, oh no, I'm yeah, I have, I have been, been to Colombia. I have been to Colombia. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say. So let's go into the cause into the part of because we both are colleagues. Uh, you know, no longer there. I'm no longer there, right? And I think we, I don't know if we left. I don't know the reason why you're not there. So we can get into this if you want or we don't. <laughs> so, it's up to you. But um, what should we call it? So I I left just uh, if you're not familiar, but. I left because I felt, you know, I talked to you about it, but, you know, I felt like it was like time for like, for, for, you know, for a change for me personally. I feel like I reached my peak there and I needed this for myself personally. So it wasn't really anything from my lens of like a, oh, I don't want to be here. It was more like I need to be elsewhere. You get what I'm saying? So I want to know what it was like for you and like your reason for saying, you know what, this time has ended here. What, what was that like for you or your reasoning? Um, it, it was both. It was both. That I don't want to be there, but it was more so that I need to be elsewhere. Um, like I, like you, you know, and most people know about me. I'm very intuitive. Intuitive. Um, I move with energy. Not more. Not to say that I'm not, you know, um, dependable or um, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't know, true to my word or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that telling me I need to be somewhere and there's a higher purpose for my gifts and my purpose on this earth, then I'm going to go follow it. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's just what it was. Every time I get in front of a, inside of a school or under another principal or even another one of these charter school systems, it feels like I'm suffocating little spaces. It literally deteriorates me. It can deteriorate my mental, you know, my physical. It's always something that happens that tells me get out <laughs> like get out of that mm. you don't belong there i've sacrificed a lot you know I, i've loved i love 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 and i don't say tell people this all the time uncommon has some of the most amazing leaders i've ever had in my co- teaching career and for those um, that know uncommon is the network in which we worked under you know Exactly, yeah. And particularly, you know, to be a little um, specific, definitely uh, excellence boys, best leadership, best leadership hands down. I've been in a few schools since 2013 when I started my teaching career. You know, Bell in particular, very, very um, inspirational. I don't regret the fact that I worked there. It's just, it's not my path. It's not my destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the more I would stay there, the more things will keep telling me to get out. So mm. my, my last straw of actually leaving had nothing to do with the school. It was something very personal in my living situation. So, it, you know, it had nothing to do with, like, I was disrespected or, you know, I was treated unfairly. No, it was more so it was just the system, not for me. So, what, <laughs> so what's next for B-Hill? Working on Mission 5 of my art education foundation. So that's happening really soon. Um, and uh, just uh, creating more paintings, looking for a show to have here in L.A. Oh, we're not, I'm not there yet, but I'm trying to get over there to, mm. you know, put together a show, another solo exhibition for summer 2020. Um, so there's it's a lot, and I'm happy that I have this time to, like, really do it, <laughs> do all of mm-hmm. these different projects I have to constrain my time around working 10, 11 hours for someone else. Mm-hmm. If someone was listening to this, right, as an artist or aspiring artist or whatever, or educator, what would you say is the most important thing to feel your, or to be in tune, right? You said about this intuition being intuitive, to be in tune with Uh your creative juices. What can you do to have that at the max level? So to really get in touch with your intuition or what you need to like hide into move as far as creativity is create time. Um, some of us don't have, you know, the money or the, the, the patience or even like the guts to be like, I'm just going up and resign from my job and do what I have to do to become a strong CEO. Some people don't have that. So if you don't have that yet, cause it's going to come. Creators are not meant to be bottled up. But if, if when it comes, or if it doesn't come, excuse me, create time. <laughs> Literally create time. Because what happens if you don't create time, you tend to start feeling this bottled up as if like you're harnessing something. And you know, anything that's harnessed and sat inside of the body becomes what? A tumor. And you gotta get out. That's so, real. yeah, I think that people should create time just for now. Like, if it, you know, or some people can work and, and, and still create. That's fine. It's not for me, but that's fine. <laughs> but if you're going to do that, create time. Enjoy that episode uh, with Brianna. Again, sorry for the for the audio issues there. I tried my best to get rid of all of them, but it was just impossible. I'm still still learning here and getting better with my uh, production. But yeah, um, just one thing I got from that episode as you try to get you know one main point is this um this idea of kind of like doing your own thing, right? So obviously a lot of people that I interview you know were educators, so through the means of you know, job fairs or what now we, we, uh, these jobs are help us, you know, transition to this living abroad. But with Brianna, she kind of, you know, obviously she went, she went to school and, you know, she did her thesis or whatever, but she opened her own business, her own foundation. And her focus was on international education and just, you know, doing her thing abroad. And I think that's just a, such a powerful thing and having the, you know, the wherefore and the creativity, right. And we spoke, spoke about that as far as, you know, how do you get your creative juices flowing? Not just for obviously artists and, you know, people in the arts or education, but just anybody, right? I think whenever you try to uh, pursue any, you know, anything you do in life, any endeavors, you need some creativity to make that happen, right? And not everything is, is going to be black and white or like, oh, step one, two, three, and then I'm there. So I think this is a very uh, important uh, nugget she gave us, right? As far as literally giving yourself time, as simple as it sounds, I think a lot of us, 
for a lot of people in you know any setting it's hard to you know give yourself time to you know dissect things and think about things and analyze things and then come to you know some decision or some uh aha moment right some epiphany so i think that was just cool to hear that from her perspective and all the things and awesome things she continues to do and i wish her nothing but the best i had a great time working with her but yeah hope you enjoy that episode uh next week on this uh kind of following this theme of you know doing your own thing i'm interviewing a person that i met here in costa rica his name is leroy um he's from chicago and we're, this next episode we're going to talk about business abroad he opened up a business here in costa rica a bar <laughs> out where i was at in manuel antonio I think it's going to be a really dope episode. I'm so excited to uh, get that down to kind of deviate, right, from this whole, like, education, this and that. So I'm trying to really broaden my horizons when it comes to what this podcast is about and hopefully what you guys want to hear. But, yeah, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't. I appreciate all the support. This is Living Color Abroad. Peace.